Welcome back, dear listeners, to the Pasithea Powder. The following recordings continue the lurid tale of Captain Sophie Green and Dr. Jane Gonzalez, two strong and stubborn women from the peaceful little planet of Cassandra and the strange discoveries they made after the war. Last time, Dr. Gonzalez had just made herself incredibly unpopular by giving an exclusive interview to the hard-hitting Eleanor Lopez. And Captain Green found herself once again in alliance with her superior officers and the government of Cassandra. This is episode four, Stab You in the Eye. Let us begin. Sophie, apologies, Captain Green. By now, I'm sure you've heard your friend Jane Gonzalez's interview with Eleanor Lopez. That was a bad mistake. She's clearly going through a rough patch, something only a friend would understand. She clearly needs you. I want you to reach out to her. Your friends, I, I know you say you're not, but I know you don't mean it. I have friends like that. We have our disagreements, but... We come back together in the end, always. Jane Gonzalez needs to remember her duty. She lives a very comfortable life, all things considered, and the sooner she understands that and sees that her present actions can cause her nothing but distress, the sooner she will find peace. You love Cassandra, your friend needs help, and you're the woman for the job. This has been Agent Cullen. Cullen asked me to reach out, so I'm reaching out. This is... Fuck's sake. Message deleted. Hi, friend. Here's what I've decided. Yelling at you clearly doesn't work, even though you fucking deserve to be... Message deleted. Hi, friend. Nope. Message deleted. Hi, Jane. The thing you need to remember is that I would rather shout my problems away than have an actual conversation in case you'd actually managed to forget that. Today, Carla's replacement arrived on Adamar, so we're up to our full friendship delegation roster, the four of us and the four of them. You won't be able to miss the rookie next time you catch a screening, because it is Josephine Crooks, the one everyone said was the Median version of me, which... Maybe not then, but at some point since the war, she cut all her hair off. Kind of stole my look, actually. She's still wearing mostly pink when she's not in uniform, so she hasn't gained a tactical advantage there, but she's clearly been lifting. Here on Adamar, we haven't been going to as many schools and receptions. It's more one-on-one coffee. The advertising reflects it. They had each of us pose sitting with our host families around the breakfast table or whatever, so we each have our own awkward banner scattered around the government house. This morning, I had tea with a woman whose child died on a Median ship. For all I know, I killed them. If I had known this (laughs) before the tea started brewing, by the way, I would have tried to get out of it, switched with Anders Lee or something. But I'm actually glad I went. It wasn't a fun conversation, but it was an important one. She cried, we hugged, she forgave me, I forgave her because she asked me to. I don't know what she thinks she did. Maybe just sat up in the PSA, 
while her kid and I fought a hopeless war. On Adamar, it's easier for me to understand what we're doing. Like, my visit actually meant something to this woman. It did something for her. So maybe if Adamar ever votes to, I don't know, pursue sanctions against us, starve us, decide we're not worth it, and blow us to kingdom come, she'll vote against. I hope you're all right. Personal log. Entry one. This record was made by Dr. Jane Gonzalez in an effort to document what I believe to be ongoing efforts by the Cassandran government to mislead the public and the intergalactic community on their involvement with the Pasifaya project. I should have started this weeks ago, but I mistakenly believed the information I possessed would be would live on if my ability to share it became compromised. This recording is protected by an encryption key I have the utmost faith in. It's also programmed to degrade over the course of one Cassandran week unless I reset the protocols. If I don't reset the protocols, it will be automatically delivered to the inbox of Eleanor Lopez, who I trust will do the right thing, as well as what is profitable to her, and spread this information to the rest of the PSA. Here's a summary of what I know. The Pasithea Project was approved and funded by the government in the early days of the war, but was intended primarily as a medical technology. I don't believe anyone fully understood the other applications of the drug until we started seeing the side effects of misapplied Pasithea. Her Royal Majesty's intention to turn a medical treatment into a weaponized military project was deemed unacceptable, and so, under Dr. Rowley's leadership, we destroyed all our records and every sample in our hospital. We believed we had stuffed at least one demon back into Pandora's box. After Dr. Rowley's death, there are only 19 people left on any planet capable of reconstructing Pasithea powder. I doubt any one of us is capable of replicating all our research, but each of us has an idea. A few pieces of the puzzle. If you gave ten of us a laboratory and the right materials, I think we could do it again in under a month. That this is possible is the real reason the nineteen of us conspirators have been kept like trained monkeys in the Queen's Palace for the last ten months. We are Cassandran subjects and are subject to Cassandran justice. We committed treason, so the government has every right to seize our assets and keep us under a very close watch. They have the right to execute us, although of course they've chosen not to exercise it. We are a peaceful planet. We haven't given anyone the death penalty in 200 years. There is the additional political problem of the Rowley conspiracy's reputation off Cassandra. On Medea, I understand, we are considered rather favorably. I believe, however, that Cassandra has chosen not to execute us because her Royal Majesty's government has not given up on the idea of having access to a private store of Pasithea powder that the intergalactic community remains unaware of. My evidence is this. Two weeks ago, Captain Sophie Green saw David Allegros on Telos. She met him on the street and was briefly jailed for brawling. I visually confirmed that Allegros was no longer under house arrest here in the lower palace by examining his rooms, which were empty. His records had been altered to make it seem like he was still going about his daily routine, but no one has actually seen him in weeks. The agent assigned to Allegros left Cassandra and met with Green on Telos, where he confirmed that Allegros was indeed off-planet. Green now believes Allegros escaped by himself and is acting alone. I do not. Ten months ago, 
Eyewitness Reina Valencia personally threatened Isabel Rowley when we first took action. This was a week before Rowley's death. The Cassandran government was willing to go to incredible lengths to obtain Pasithea powder then. I am unconvinced that they wouldn't try again if they believed no one would question them. I don't have any evidence yet. I know I'm unlikely to be believed without it. So, theory first, and then data. I have been trying to protect myself for the last week by engaging directly with the public eye, thereby making it more difficult for the Queen's Guard to take any action against me that wouldn't sell well on camera. Lopez gave me a box full of makeup. Apparently, the plan will work better if I don't look like a dehydrated zombie. Her words. She also told me that part of why Cassandra remains sympathetic to the PSA is that Reina Valencia has clear, glowing skin and extremely shiny hair. So every morning now, I paint my mouth to match my jacket and hope that color theory will somehow convince people to care if our young and beautiful queen has me disappeared. Lopez didn't give me anything to make my hair shinier. I suppose she understands there are limits to this strategy. There have been plenty of cameras. Local reporters hoping I'll dole out exclusives left and right now that I've opened the gate, rival PSA outlets, ordinary looky-loos. I've been trying to find opportunities to talk with my fellow traders, find out if anyone else has been approached, make sure Allegros is the only one missing. Unfortunately, the interview appears to have made me less than popular with the rest of the inmates. Rivers and Chang won't talk to me about anything but generalities. Akil and Costa won't talk to me at all. Most of the rest of them have been avoiding me, which is only getting easier for them. Agent Blanc came by this morning and told me that I will no longer be cleared to leave the palace at all, even in his company. He said this with a smile, of course, and explained it was for my safety. He gave me a dossier full of public feedback, collected from the networks that aired my interview, and from those letters and calls sent directly to the palace. A small sample. That bitch deserves what's coming to her. I hope she fries like her dead boyfriend. Someone should punch her lights out, knock out her teeth, and see if she still likes talking then. The queen should reconsider the death penalty. Her family live in Boxwood at 315 Alba Street. There's a picture attached to that one. Agent Blanc assures me the threat isn't credible. There's a picture of Evelyn's mother's house, too. People are... Ten months is nothing after five years of war. It's understandable that people want someone to blame. I understand that. I helped to create Pasithea powder. I gave Pasithea powder as a medical treatment many times. Some of my patients suffered terrible consequences. I helped to bring something terrible into the world. I know what the stakes are, and I'm not... <sighs> I hope I can get someone to listen to me. And long. At first I told myself not to call you again until it had been a week of not hearing from you. Then I had to go and mention your name to Anders Lee, and he... Well, he freaked out. I recorded some of it, if you're interested. <laughs> Listen to this. Better than that, did you hear that interview? She's going off the deep end. I gave you her phone number for a reason, Sophie. 
And now you're telling me you were in touch for a while, but now she's suddenly ghosting you right after that interview. What are you going to do about it? She could be down a well. She could have gotten a funky haircut and gone on the lamb. I bet she got a bob. She would look good with a bob. Or maybe some kind of mermaid situation. So, as you can see, things here have taken a turn for the worse. As if my own damn conscience wasn't enough. Not that I'm worried about you. It's more that I have this list of tasks, okay? Just constantly running in the background of any related thought I have. And yeah, some of the tasks are like, smile more or people will think you're mean or <laughs> save the world. But some of the tasks are just boring shit, like brush your teeth and wash your face twice a day, refill birth control in case you encounter a penis, and now call Jane and make sure she hasn't burned down the palace. It was just boring background noise until I mentioned it to Anders, and now it's in stereo every hour of every day. Anders is fairly convinced you're dead. I have my doubts. But I thought, why not make sure? So you might still be angry at me, but could you at least let me know you're alive? The alternative is probably something deeply embarrassing for all of us, possibly involving a stolen ship and Anders' face on the news. He's very worried. Call. Today I went down an antimony mine with Josephine Crooks. Probably someone's wartime erotica come to life, minus the Eros. The lifts only fit two at a time, plus a minor, so they paired us, Cassandra and Median. It was dark in there at first, and then the shaft opened into this cavern that, I guess radiated is probably the best way to say it, it shone. I said as much to our host, and he informed me that the word I was looking for was luster, the way light hits a surface and turns into some specific sheen. After that, it was kind of hard to get a word in edgewise. Wake me up with a gun to my head and administer a pop quiz on antimony, and I would probably ace it. Category. Uses of antimony. Flame retardant. Alloy. Stabilizer and catalyst. Bullets. Paint. Glass. Poison. Medicine. Josephine Crooks' little Medean eyes got so wide. Imagine an alternate universe where the Medeans plundered Adamar for its resources and left us the fuck alone. I haven't been particularly welcoming. She doesn't seem to care. <laughs> but you don't care about any of this. Just call me. Otherwise, I'll... Anders is so worried. Call me. Personal log of Jane Gonzalez, PhD, entry 2. More death threats. I found a letter slipped under my door this morning. An actual letter on paper. Captain Green is not the only one talking to grieving mothers, but they're not all so eager to offer forgiveness. This particular one wants me to burn in hell. She specified which circle. She wants me to be... She wants me to feel... Someone put that letter under my door, you know? They knew which room was mine. I expressed my concern about this security breach to, to Agent Blanc, and he restricted my access again. Now, I can't even go outside. No palace lawns, no palace gardens, no rooting in the courtyard. He smiled at me. He's always smiling. 
one can smile and smile and be a villain. That's um, wild, I think, or maybe Shakespeare, somebody like old and dead and white and on earth. That's, that's not the update I came here to give, however. I am updating this record because after dinner tonight, I was approached by the Mead Ambassador. The Ambassador from Medea. The Mead Ambassador. It happened like this. I was in the restroom. I was washing my hands. The Ambassador's aide, you know, she's a... She's a mousy little thing, tiny head. Do you ever really notice how odd it is that we're both adult women, but my head is about three times the size of hers? I don't have a fat head, although I, I, it's not about the size of the brain because that's not how skulls really work. My head is correct in all proportions. It's just like three times as large as this other adult woman's head. My my head is correct. It's it's just this this realization like it, it's odd. This realization that human beings are just a, a little bit like dogs. I'm a Great Dane or, or a St. Bernard, and, and this girl was a Pekingese. Anyway, um, she, she told me the Mead Ambassador wanted to see me in her private quarters. I followed the Pekingese, and I have no idea how she managed it, but Agent Blanc wasn't there. I mean, he was there when I went into the bathroom, but because I can't lose him nowadays, but when we came out of the bathroom, he wasn't there. We went to the meat ambassador's quarters, and the Pekingese took me into this stuffy little parlor, all red velvet draping and no windows, and brought me some tea. I don't even like dogs. I favor cats. I have always favored cats. Evelyn once wanted to get a dog, and I told him, no, 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 no. I favor cats. You know, you know I'm extremely smart. Because of my massive brain and my massive skull, I am perfectly aware there was something in the tea. It would have been helpful if I had known there was something in the tea before I drank it, but I am smart, not psychic. The Pekingese took a seat, and then the meat ambassador came in. She is a frightening woman, nearly as frightening as Reina Valencia. I should know. I've seen the queen in a, a real rage. Nothing like what she seems. Nothing. Um, the ambassador, the ambassador, was smiling too. She said that she loved my interview, but she was an avid telescope listener. Can you imagine? She says that on Medea, I am a celebrity. Everyone loves me on Medea. Everyone on Medea thinks Rowley is a saint. We won them the war. We didn't win them the war because when we revealed what Valencia wanted with Pasithea, the Planetary Strategic Alliance stepped in and forced an armistice. But that's what they think on Medea, I guess. She, um... To be totally honest, I'm not sure what she was thinking. Am I supposed to be more open when I'm drugged to the gills? I might have told her anything anyway. I wanted to. I thought about it. I don't trust my government. And I do want to expose the crowd before they... Um, ironically, I've never had much political conviction. I never really cared before. Do you even know the worst thing about Pasadena powder? It's 
not that you can take someone's memory away strategically or implant a suggestion so you can have like a, a sleeper agent or, or whatever sort of thing they want with it. It's, it's that, okay, you can change anything. You can say, Jane, you love dogs. You always love dogs. You are a dog person, which we have established I'm not. But were I under the influence of Pasithea when I, when I came out of it, I would love dogs. Except, okay, except if favoring cats was some essential part of who I am. If the memories of dog disliking that I'd experienced over the course of my life was, was formative, was essential to me, then you know what might happen? You know how the brain might react to being asked to chew on itself? I could go out and adopt a dog, and I might be fine, or I might drive us both off a cliff. I might make it home, I might take the dog on walks and let it sleep in my bed, and then three weeks later, I might bash the dog's head in with a shovel. The worst part is, okay, the worst part is that as the doctor, right, as the person who gave me the drug, you don't know that dogs are so essential to me. You can't know. It's all, it's all inexact. And Evelyn always, um, you know, Evelyn never understood my work, actually. Evelyn was, um, brilliant, but just in this one way. And he was just sort of, like, just politely puzzled by what I actually did. But he believed me when I said we were helping people at the beginning. He was, you know, he wasn't even beautiful. He was, he was richer than God, so he always had the right clothes and, and look, and his hair was always just... But, you know, there's plenty of people who are more beautiful. There's, there's the queen, there's Eleanor Lopez, Sophie. He, he and Sophie used to just be dazzling because Sophie had the, you know, the slim limbs and the, the shining eyes and the big fuck-off grin, and Evelyn just had, like, that, 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 that thing people have is... His own private spotlight, just right there, just, he practically emanated light. Um, everybody loved him. Everybody trusted him. Everybody believed him except for Sophie, but she's got her, you know, she's, she's Sophie. She's got her own luster. That is probably why he was obsessed with her. Um, and he was obsessed. He wanted, um... He would have married her if she'd just let him. If she didn't. Um, Sophie's always been, um, Sophie's, uh, ashamed of me. So ashamed she could vomit. That's what Sophie thinks of me. I should vomit. I should vomit. No. It's in my bloodstream now, probably. No point. I didn't tell the ambassador anything. I didn't. <laughs> Couldn't. I hate the queen, but I am not a traitor in any way. She drugged my tea. I hope I'm not having an allergic reaction. Hope she just meant to loosen my tongue, not kill me. Can't tell Blanc about the tea. Lest out of further concerns for my safety, I'd be confined to my quarter. It is one room, a square of balcony, and an adjoining bathroom. I do not dignify it with a plural. The bathtub isn't even that big. 
The bathroom in the cathedral apartment was smaller, though. It was, it was basically a refrigerator with a toilet inside of it. The shower head was directly over the toilet, so you had to sort of, you know, work around it as you got clean. Bring toilet paper in and out with you. Evelyn was offended by that bathroom. Sophie thought it was so funny. Sophie wants me to call her. You know what? You know what? Um... You have selected user Anders Lee as the recipient of your voice message. Would you like to enable video at this time? Nope! Begin recording. Hi, Anders Lee. It's Jane. We went to school together. And you one time tried to kiss me in the chem lab to get back at that the kid with the, 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 all the freckles. Uh, only I didn't realize what you were doing, so you kind of kissed my chin instead. And then we didn't talk for two years. Remember that. The last time we saw you was, I think, at our friend Evelyn's funeral. Remember that. I hear you were worried about my hair. My hair is fine, Andersley. You can tell that to anyone who asks, okay? It is not as shiny as Sophie's, but it's fine, and it doesn't need any help. You tell her that, okay? You called Anders Lee. That's fine, I guess. Weird, but fine. I guess it makes sense. He was concerned. He kissed you in the chem lab? Our chem lab? Was that before or after you started seeing Lupita? I thought you and her bonded over science, too. Dang, Jane, what the fuck was going on in the chem lab? Whatever, that doesn't matter now. I thought I should tell you, David Allegros was at the Antimony Mine. He was there hours after the friendship delegation left, talking his way into the science wing. I'd make some joke here about meeting up with Anders to make out in the science wing, but I don't have the strength. I saw him. I saw him, Jane. I went back for my uniform gloves, which I'd left in one of their weird little lockers when I changed into the minor gear they gave us. I went back and he was standing there outside the gate. He didn't look like he was hiding. He didn't even look scared until he saw me. I wasn't armed or I could have told him to freeze. Instead, I just sort of yelled at him like I was hailing a ride. Hey! He didn't say anything. I didn't come any closer to him. I'm not going to hurt you, I told him. He glanced around. There weren't many people standing out with us, but there were a couple doing science things, I don't know. They were looking at us like we had six heads. I moved a little closer to Allegros. The gate to the Mayan science wing is on the edge of this huge domed courtyard. It's the entry to the mine, but it looks more like those shopping palaces where my mom used to make me kill time when she was at work. Doors everywhere, airlocks beyond. Not much security until you get a little further in, and we were nowhere near further in. It wasn't secure, is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it wasn't my fault that I lost him. Because yeah, I did lose him. I moved closer and I said, I'm not going to hurt you. And he got this look on his face, like he pitied me. And he said, no, you're not. Or maybe he said, you're not. 
and he was gone, out the door, out the airlock, and by the time I could follow, all that was left was a cooling surface craft pad. I wouldn't bother you with this since you've clearly lost your ever-loving mind, but listen, chain of command might not mean much to you, but it does to me. It helps to conduct a mission report, to lay out the facts as dispassionately as possible and see what the facts look like through the eyes of someone better informed. And I might not like it, but that someone is you. Because. Agent Cullen called me. It was barely seconds later. He was full of good news. No sight of Allegros, he said, but it was possible he'd moved on to Norm, which is cold and far and not our next stop, and very much not a stolen surface craft in Adamar en route to who knows where. He said all that, then he kind of waited. I didn't say anything. And now I'm calling you. If this is some kind of trick, I'd like to believe you have enough lingering respect for our shared history that you wouldn't do that to me, regardless of whatever orders you have probably received. You wouldn't, right? Your message is concerning. Antimony is, well, I see how antimony could be relevant. And if Cullen is misleading you, rather than just cowing you into submission with legalities, then I take it you're going to consider, at least, that perhaps Her Royal Majesty's government isn't as pure as the driven snow? Consider this, then. As you may have surmised, I don't entirely recall the contents of the message I left for Lieutenant Lee. If I was talking about kissing anyone at university, I, I don't think that can be held against me, given the circumstances. Also, Lupita and I broke up our first year out of high school. I thought maybe you'd remember that, since it was at least partially your fault. I was regrettably under the influence of an unknown substance at the time of my call, which I believe was doctored into my tea. Don't concern yourself, I've recovered completely. But I was understandably interested in what the substance was, so I went looking for Dr. Costa. She's one of the more talented chemists in my group of co-conspirators, and I thought perhaps she would have some insights into my symptoms, at least. I couldn't find her. I don't know if she's disappeared as thoroughly as Allegros, but I went to her room, and no one answered. And then I didn't see her at dinner last night or breakfast this morning. I can't remember seeing her agent anywhere recently either. I went to look for her location in the log, and Agent Blanc appeared at my shoulder. He asked me what I was doing. I said I had a medical question for Dr. Costa, and he asked if I was feeling all right, reminded me the palace infirmary was always available to me if I had need of assistance. I know it sounds innocuous, but it was the way he said it. Friendly, but sharp. Like a door clicking shut in your face. I suggested that perhaps I would be more comfortable with Dr. Costa. He said it was such a shame that my circumstances meant that things couldn't always be comfortable for me. I don't know why Allegros is following the friendship delegation. I don't know if they would have more than one person doing what he's doing, or if they'd put her in a lab somewhere instead, or if she's really missing it all, but do you remember what she looks like? She's a small woman, short hair mid-40s, thin build, 
sharp lines around her mouth and eyes. She usually looks tired. We need more evidence. Actual evidence, not just my word or even yours. I'm going to start keeping my comms unit active more often. See if I can catch someone in a mistake. You... If you could keep an eye out for any evidence you can collect yourself, that would be good. I really want to trust you. If you're waffling again, I'll stab you in the eye. Please send Endersley my apologies. Keep your sharps and your blades to yourself, Jane. I'm not waffling. I'm definitely not waffling, not after hearing Costa's gone too. She probably went the same way as Allegros, whatever that way is, but... On the off chance this is suddenly a Hieronymus Chang mystery and they're picking you off one by one, take care of yourself. After I called you, I went back to my host's house. They're nice people, but I was hoping to sneak into my room to pace back and forth and worry things over. No such luck. Instead, I walked in the door to find all of them, plus five or six of their neighbors, sitting in the living room, and in the middle of the coffee table there was this cheese plate big enough to put us all out of commission for days. When they saw me come in, all their faces brightened, and they started clapping, and I realized that what I had walked into was, in fact, my own going-away party. So they loaded me up with cheese and had me sit on the sofa between the grandmother and the youngest son, and once everyone had a drink, they asked me to say a few words. Oh, man. I'm no good at that. Ask me to rally the troops, fine, there's a script for that. For Queen and Planet, they'll remember us. You'll get laid so hard when you return victorious, etc. Ask me to yell at you down the phone. Fine, there's a script for that too, but this? I must have looked terrified because the grandmother put her arm around me. That's been a thing on Adamar. I didn't expect it. Just... It's a hard planet, right? The mines and the gas and how long it takes to get anywhere. It's not a soft place. But the people I've met are so... Gentle isn't the right word. Thoughtful? Careful? Mind you, having this nice grandmother plying me with cheese and giving me a lavender-scented side hug didn't make it any easier to speak. In fact, I was kind of horrified to know that I felt like I was about to... So I stood up and I gave the toast. You know the one. To the confusion of our enemies. I sat back down. They looked confused. I stood back up. And to this friendship. I sat back down again. They applauded. It was over. We're shipping out to Tyrannus, so I went off to get some shut-eye, which turned into staring at the ceiling with the lights out. I must have slept eventually because I had this dream where... I don't know whether I ever told you this story. Probably not. I don't really talk about it. When we were in high school early on, maybe first year, my mom came and took me out of school for a day. She told me to play sick. So I gave it five minutes in first period, then ran out the room with my hand covering my mouth. Mr. Avila only let me back in to get my things with a scarf across my entire face. Once I was out of there, we rode out to the coast and set up the weirdest picnic. Too much fruit, too few sandwiches. That was the first sign. Mom didn't usually have a lot of time on her hands, but even when she was rushing from one shift to another, she always made sure things were right. 
We're talking ironing her own jeans. She was bonkers like that. We ate the fruit and watched the waves, and she asked me everything about how school was going, my friends, whether I liked anyone. We didn't not talk like that usually, but it was unusual. I remember thinking I felt like one of those capsule toys that expand after you put them in water. It felt that good to be spending that kind of time with her. So of course that's when she told me she was getting back together with my father. In this dream, everything happened the way it actually did, except after she told me about my father, something came out of the sea. Some too many teeth motherfucker. I couldn't really get a full glimpse of it. My eyes just wouldn't go there. I watched its shadow, caught some glimpses of its teeth, waited frozen while it took my mother away, then tried to run, which is when I woke up. I don't know. It's not a metaphor, it's just some fucking fear dream, but when I woke up, it was so easy to believe you. If Agent Cullen isn't here to catch Allegros, he's here to guard him. And if he's not here to guard him, he's here for some other reason. Maybe he's here for me. I can't remember, have you ever been in a transport ship? I'm staring at one now, the one we're taking to Tyrannus. They're so big. When they take off, there's always a moment when I think it's not going to make it. I'm more used to the size I used to fly, I just wish... I'll keep looking for clues, like you said, and I'll keep smiling and shaking hands all over the PSA. One day this has to stop, right? Sometimes it seems like that day on the beach was the last time Sophie, I- Sophie, time to load up. Who are you talking to? Thank you for listening to the Pasithea Powder. This was episode four, Stab You in the Eye. Tune in next time to see what our intrepid heroines will do now that they find themselves once again in alliance. Captain Sophie Green was portrayed by Jackie Hedman. Dr. Jane Gonzalez was portrayed by Molly Olguin. Agent Cullen was portrayed by Antal Specter Zabuski. Anders Lee was portrayed by Chia Seed. And the voice of the computer was Cade Lee Brown. Narration by The Moon in Your Eye Like a Big Pizza Pie. Original music by Annie Moriondo. If you've enjoyed our little story, we hope you'll tell your friends about us and rate and review us on iTunes. You can also find us on Twitter at at Pasithea Powder or on our website where transcripts are available. The Pasithea Powder was created by Bad Wine Productions. Dr. Gonzalez and Captain Green will return in episode five for your own good. <laughs>